0: Forever, Dog.
1: But that's the glory of pitching, is just like, if you feel open enough and if they're not upset by it, why not? You know, don't don't be, anno- don't actors out there, if you're listening, do not be annoying.
0: Welcome to Household Faces, the podcast where a character actor interviews other character actors. I'm your host, John Ross Bowie. You might know me from Speechless, The Big Bang Theory, or my role as Dr. Max von Sydow on Children's Hospital. Our guest this episode is Keiko Agena. I have been a fan of Keiko's for years, uh, familiar with her work on Gilmore Girls, but I got to do a deep dive on her rather fascinating and eclectic career. We talk about Lane and her drum habit. We talk about growing up in Hawaii. We talk about those endless uncut takes on, on Amy Sherman Palladino shows. There's some Prodigal Son. There's a little something for everyone on uh, on this episode, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Without further ado, please welcome Keiko Agana. For some reason, I don't know why I want this to be my first question, but I do. I, do you still play drums?
1: Oh, I wish. No, I. Um, my husband is a musician, and so that he has a lockout space. So for a long okay. time, I kept my drum set. But at a certain point, yeah. But at a certain point, I went. You know what? Let me give this away to someone who will use it more because it saddens me to just think of it just sitting there. <laughs>
0: I felt like there's something lovely. about a discarded drum set that is so much more sad than a discarded guitar. I it's because it's, yeah. just, it's just the 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 sheer footage, the square footage yes, you're taking yeah. out. I think.
1: Yeah, you were in a punk band, right?
0: I was in a punk band.
1: Did were you? Did you play or did you sing or? Uh,
0: I, I, I played. Ba- I played bass and sang.
1: Oh. Oh, you've, okay.
0: I played bass and, and sang, and and one of the things I love. So you learned to play drums for Gilmore Girls. You were yes. not. They didn't be like, oh, you know, Keiko's a drummer. We should write that in. They were like, <laughs> poof, you're a drummer now. Yeah. Fucking learn to play. Yeah. You know what I I love about it? Like a lot of people who who were in bands and then watched the way bands are represented on TV. I am super judgmental, um, and I'm always. I, no, seriously, I'm always like. I don't know what that guy's left hand is doing, but that's bullshit. (laughs) That sounds completely fake. But because you were just learning to play drums, everything matches. You just you look and sound like a new drummer in a high school band. Doing yeah. clash covers and <laughs> it looks great. It really does. And again, I am a dick about this kind of thing. I am really picky and I'm like, that I don't buy it. I'm sorry. Everything looks like the Partridge family to me, if I'm if I'm if I'm being honest. And there's an authenticity. Was that? I mean, there's so many challenging things about being on an Amy Sherman Paladino <laughs> show. Right. But what were you excited? Or were you like, oh God, what now? <laughs>
1: Oh, no, I was thrilled. I remember I was in the car and I pulled over to pick up the phone. And when they told me that that was going to happen to my character, I flipped the fuck out. I was oh, so great. happy because anything, any time that you get to learn a skill for a job is absolutely thrilling to me. It's like the, the greatest gift. I was on this uh, show where I got to, um, uh, we were supposed to be in space. And so I got to be in one of those harnesses. For a the little first. bit, and yeah, and the, the, for the first, and to practice that, and that was fabulous. But but when they told me I got to was going to get to play the drums, the thing that the, the double great thing about that is that there's no way that I would have done it myself because it, <laughs> because it's intimidating. To it's pr- super to, intimidating. To, to, uh, as a child, it's one thing, but as an adult, to learn, to learn an instrument and to learn drums, which is so annoying. You know, when you're first oh, it's starting a full out. body
0: workout. Yeah, you were probably hovering around thirty at the time. Yes, <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> that's a lot. It was,
0: and it's also the worst thing about being a drummer. Having never been a drummer is literally everybody looks to you. Not in a figurative sense. Literally, everyone yeah. turns around and looks at you. Like, are we starting?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: That's a lot. What I'm I'm struck by I've talked to a few alums of Amy Sherman-Palladino <laughs> shows and um they all say the same thing. It's an absolute delight and the wonners are murder. Yeah. The lawn taught do you have a particular uh do, do you have a particular technique for getting off book? Cause I, I'm always every time I watch a Gilmore Girls, I get very distracted about halfway into those incredible where they're crossing the gazebo, and I'm just like, they haven't cut. Oh my god, they haven't cut. Nobody can fuck up. This is stressing me out. So, like it's the most relaxing show on television. I'm so stressed <laughs> out.
1: By Except these for warmers. an actor that knows, yeah, knows yeah, right, the, yeah. The, how the sausage is made. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. No, my my cousin who's a lawyer loves it. It's comfort TV for her. But I'm like, yeah, but how did they light it? <laughs>
1: Yeah. um, Well, uh, as far as getting through it, we were lucky enough or were required, depending on how you look at it, but George Mm -hmm. Bell was our dialogue coach. And usually you don't have dialogue coaches if there aren't kids around. That's the question.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But because we were that kind of show and we had to be word perfect – uh they had to hire someone whose sole job and this is separate from script coordinator this yeah, is yeah. someone whose only job is to come to the actors and run lines with them or to give them um notes on what they missed
0: and they come to you and they they come to you whether you ask for them or not like oh, they yes. knock on your trailer right
1: oh uh he would kind of hang back and let us come to him if we wanted to run it but it was but also for us it was um it was something that was necessary anyway and it was hard to find people Be- and this was before line learner do you use line learner i oh,
0: have used line learner religiously it's a I love terrific it now. app it's yeah, a terrific I, app oh,
1: it's it's saved it's somewhat saved my marriage but um but you know because it's very Wait, because, difficult
0: because you kept asking your husband to run lines with you? oh
1: god yes yes okay, because right. because it it's it's an enormous job to run lines with someone if they're going from scratch do you yeah, know what sure, I mean? Sure, There's a sure. little bit of work that you can do ahead, to, ahead of time, but sometimes you need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And uh, to find someone to, a person to run that with you for the hours that you need to do it is is, is very difficult.
0: Sure. By all means. Yeah. Um, let's back up a little bit. You were, I know you were born in Honolulu. Did, did you grow up there?
1: Yes. I didn't leave Hawaii until I was uh, 18, 17, 18. And that's when, when you went to
0: Washington State? Yes. Okay. But let's talk about Honolulu for a moment because I I- it's funny, I've talked to a bunch of people who have worked in Honolulu, but not many people who grew up there. Did you, I mean, did did you, were you able to take in much theater? When did you learn that acting was a job that you could have?
1: When did I learn that acting was a job that I could have? Hmm, that's interesting. Do you mean, when did I... Think that I could do it as a live as a career? There's so many yeah. layers to that question.
0: I know, I, and uh, and and that's deliberate. And I'm I'm gonna kind of like okay. make it dealer's choice and whatever you wanna, however you want to uh, uh, answer it. But let's start from a very practical concern. When did you learn that you Keiko could make a living doing this?
1: See, it's so tough because I wa- it wasn't until almost that I, that I was making a living at it before I believed that it was possible.
0: That's an amazing answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually, that was part of the, the stress of Gilmore Girls is I, I, to be really honest with you, I didn't believe that I could make a living doing um, acting until well after Gilmore Girls was over. I, it was nerve wracking to me after because- After seven
0: I, years as a series regular.
1: Yes, because I went pretty much straight from temping to that job. So oh, I, didn't have, I didn't have that uh, window of time where one learns to be a working actor, which I think is its own separate thing. Do you know what I mean? I mean, being on a mm-hmm. series is one thing. You have, you're on a series. You have a job. You're getting a paycheck. But you don't have the confidence of knowing what happens. Can you last in the gaps? Mm. Will you get, get an, so in a way I'm, I'm a little bit anxious. I'm an anxious person anyway, but the whole time I'm on the show, I'm like, what is going to happen when the show's over? What is going to happen when the show's over? Am I ever going to work again? Will I be able to find uh, another job? And so, um, so it took, to answer your question, it, it took a long time till I, till I thought I can make a living. At, at, it's pot. it would be possible for me to make a living. But it wasn't your
0: first gig i mean you had some right. you had some other guest stars but you yes. still were you but you were still attempting to make a living
1: yes and i always i think it, it was always a a dream i mean to be an actor is a dream but um but i i knew i was going to always act because i liked it so mm-hmm. i knew that it was going to be part of my life whether right. i was going to be able to make a living off, off of it or not so um so so I knew those so I knew those two things. I knew it was possible. I knew it was always going to be a part of my life. Whether I could actually have it as part of my life didn't come till till probably way late. What
0: um uh what drew you to it in the first place? Was there like a was a, a TV show? There isn't a ton of theater in Honolulu. You get the yeah. occasional touring shows. There's um there's a couple of smaller theater companies on 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 the island. Um, but when did you? What kind of gave you that spark? What 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 made you catch the bug that you wanted to do this?
1: Well, I caught the bug, and I caught it hard, <laughs> off of uh, something very innocuous. I mean, it was a kids' show, and I think I had four lines in it. But it was called the best Christmas pageant ever. I, I love that play. Oh, you know that play?
0: What's the name of the of the creepy family? Uh, the henderson What's the name of the family? The the.
1: Is, are we thinking of the same play?
0: The best Christmas pageant ever is the one where they get a family from the wrong side of the tracks who do uh who who, yes. who are in the pageant yes and 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 they're all scruffy and weird yeah. and everyone and yeah I love it was made into a they made a oh. TV movie of it uh, when I was growing when we were growing up um, and I wild. I actually I actively love that story
1: <gasps> that's wild so who did you play. I played the narrator, and there is no narrator in the in the show. I played the narrator in the best in the pageant, meaning I had four
0: lines. Understood. Okay. The
1: pageant, the show within the narrator of the show within the the show. The show within the show. Yes,
0: we're getting into Um, like our town levels of metafiction here, but I'm I'm ready. Okay. Um, And that was those four lines were like boom. This is me. This is where I want to be.
1: I think what it was is that when it ended. Well, here's the thing. I loved the whole process of rehearsal. I love the community feeling that happened. Mm. And in that last show, we probably had four shows, but in what I in what I considered our last show, every time closing I was not night. on stage. We'll call it closing close <laughs> closing okay. night. Uh, I cried as a child, I was like 10. I cried just knowing that this was gonna be the last time we were gonna do this show. Mm. Um, before in between scenes, like that's how much I I just loved it, and then, and then I r- clearly remember there was only one other person that was emotional, this other girl, but I kept looking to her, like I kept wanting to hug her, like you understand what's happening, right? This is special, we get it, uh, um, but no, I don't think anyone else was having that experience. I think it was just maybe just the two of us.
0: It's so interesting how <laughs> many people had enormous roles in in student theater. And then got it out of their system, and then it's the people who had like four lines, or in my case, weren't even on stage. We're doing tech crew who have gone on to make a living. <laughs> I just find yeah. that really interesting. That like you know the 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 woman who was uh, was Lori in Oklahoma was like, "I'm good. I was Lori when I was 15. I'm all set. I'm going to get a real yeah. job. I'm going to get my law degree. I'm out."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. That it's like wild. an itch that never quite gets. For a long time, it was an itch that just n- was never satisfied. Like never it, moments it's of satisfaction. It's yeah. still not. Look at it. No, us. it's true. It's good. yeah. No, it's true.
0: Did you know any professional actors growing
1: up? No.
0: No, yeah, because you wouldn't, would you? mm Did you go to college for theater?
1: I did. I got a partial scholarship. It's why I I went to the college I did. I was also accepted to Tisch, but I, there was no way I could in a million years afford a fraction of that life, so yeah, I, yeah. I didn't go there. But I got a partial scholarship to Whitman College, and then and then, to be honest, that didn't quite even... It wasn't enough money for me to continue going there. And so I kind of just uh, didn't continue going there after. But it was, a, it was the right decision. I ended up in Los Angeles and just kind of stayed. So you went summer, south
0: so. at that point. And, yeah. And in, you did. Okay. Was it a moment of like, I'm going to give this a, a go. I'm going to try to make a living doing this. And LA is where I have to go to do so.
1: No, my boyfriend, I hated LA. And my really? boyfriend was a musician and was trying to make a career out here. And so I was just going to visit. I wasn't planning on leaving college. I was visiting him for the summer. I got an internship with a theater company.
0: Which theater company?
1: It's very small. It's called Incline the Theater Company. Um, it was, uh, I cold called out of the yellow pages, my friend. Whoa. No, no, no. White white pages. For our I younger theater.
0: You looked in theater. <laughs> <laughs> theater in the white pages? That I is-
1: theater in the white pages. That is a and- positively
0: old, timey <laughs> sentence.
1: <laughs> I know. And did th- you this send was- a
0: telegraph? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Almost. <laughs> um, it was, they didn't have an office. They worked out of their home. I did, I got paid. The only reason why they took me also is that my my college was would pay half. So they paid, my, my, my uh, rate was $10 an hour. For a couple of hours a day or something like that, really, really small. But the college paid half. So okay. this tiny theater company was like, we need admin. We need someone to, you know, stamp envelopes or what have you. And so they they hired me for the summer and I never left. Cause wow. I fell in love with them and I met people. Then I met working actors. That's when I did in the summer. Okay. In Los, yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah.
0: Um, who were who were some people you were looking at were like, oh, I could do that. I could I, mean, I usually ask this question later, but were yes. there actors when you were growing up? Uh, that you looked at on TV and were like, oh, that, you know, maybe not hugely famous movie stars or whatever, but you were like, oh, I want to, I would want to, I'd like to have that career. That might be fun. Never. Really?
1: Never. I That's only funny. did it, uh, my mindset was, well, my mindset was, I have to do this because I'm addicted to it. <laughs> and I will continue to do this as long as it's fun. Oh, okay. That was always my mindset. And, uh, and you know, hey, I, I still need to feed myself, so I would love to get, get paid. But, I, but I, I, I didn't really see, and that, uh, part of that also is being Asian American, but I didn't really see a path. I didn't. It was hard for me to, to visualize this is a road that I can see and I can follow. I kind of just kept bumbling along.
0: I hear that from actors of color a lot that they didn't really have a set template. I mean, candidly, they didn't have a set template outside of martial arts where they could like, oh, that's that's a path I could follow. Yeah, Um,
1: and there aren't enough of those. Even if you did see that, if you went, well, I mean, some people, but on the on the uh, for a smaller actor, you know, what is the martial arts? Uh, episode of of the show, of a series, right? They'll have one, but they'll have like one, uh, you know, every three seasons. That's not going to sustain a, uh, you know, a working actor. If you think of yourself as a, you know, potential working uh, actor.
0: Sure. Um, So you got, the Gilmore girls gig while you were, while you were temping. It's funny. I was, I always maintain that there are two schools. There's the, uh, there's the table waiting school and the, the office temping school. And I'm, uh, I'm office yes. temp for, I'm office temp for life. I, I temped all over <laughs> New York city I'm, I, I was a, I was a desk jockey. Uh, I didn't, uh, I never set a plate down in front of somebody Right. Uh, except my kids. Um, so, uh, I, it, it, and they're two different skills, but I think they both serve acting. Do you did you get anything out of being a temp that serves your acting?
1: Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I think the the best thing I got out of being a temp was just the flexibility, and I mm-hmm. loved not being involved in the drama office drama. Yeah. Which was a big uh Yeah was a big thing for me is that nobody's depending on you. I think I, I think that's part of my personality is I take a lot of it on. Mm-hmm. So, so because you're gone. If if Luckily, if you get a job, but also if you're just going on an audition.
0: Right, so right. So if
1: you're part of the, you know, if you're part of the home team mm-hmm. and you're causing other people that you like stress because you're not there, that's difficult for, for me. So temping was like a, Once I got, once I found Temping, I thought, oh my gosh, this is great. Nobody's to, you know, I can leave (laughs) and and I'm not. They might not even notice. Yeah. They might not even notice, which would be the best thing.
0: I always found that there was a, um, there was an attention to detail, which I was not great at in, in an office setting, but was still required and has still occasionally served acting. Yes, and then on a very practical concern, I know how to tie a tie, and there's an alarming <laughs> amount of actor of male actors my age who don't know how to do a Windsor knot. Um, but if you have to, if you show up at a law yes. firm, you gotta have a fucking tie. Um, uh, so you, you see so you get this, you transition onto onto Gilmore Girls, and what I find interesting, and this is a general comment, this isn't just a Lane Kim comment. There is a tendency for people to get very very invested and protective about the characters you play.
1: Not the universal you that- the, the,
0: No, 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 that Keiko plays. People can take or leave the, the characters I play. There's a, the People <laughs> are really invested in the character on, in Lane Kim, certainly. But have you ever, have you seen the super cuts of, of uh, you making eyes uh, with pain uh, of Prodigal Son? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, there's I... <laughs> there, people get very invested in you, your well-being- your romantic life. There is an article my cousin sent me. The biggest tragedy of Gilmore Girls is the treatment of Lane Kim. The larger point of that is people don't seem to care for Zach. But but the larger... <laughs> it, so it's... Why do you think that is? Why are people like lunging at you like we will take care of this person? <laughs> I am invested in this person's well-being.
1: Um, uh, it's funny... I think about this a lot because, uh, as 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 I get auditions that roll in and how I approach uh, characters, I find that for better and worse, and believe me, this does not always help me. But when I get a character, my my gut is to find that um, that vulnerable, soft. Needy, almost side of
0: them. I, yeah, so it's, it's funny. It's, it, no, I was gonna. I was gonna <laughs> lead us towards the V question. Um, the vulnerability. That that word, I think, is a key to your appeal. And what's interesting is that if you and you only see it if you contrast Lane with her mom, who is you know just this iron woman who just rules with uh, with a, a, a fist. And what makes Lane interesting is her. Both rebelling against and being afraid of rebelling against mm-hmm. the purple hair episode is something that everybody rec- recommended that I watch.
1: Uh huh. Uh-huh.
0: Um. Uh. Not just for its its stellar wig work, but for <laughs> the the many phases of grief that you go <laughs> through <laughs> during right. the course of of that episode. So, yeah, is what were you? How did you initially approach, I don't know how much you remember about, about auditioning for Lane Kim, but what did you, what were like the bullet points? Like this character is blank, blank, blank. Like what, how did you fill in those blanks? What were the key things you, you brought to that audition? We get super technical on this podcast. Roll with us.
1: Oh, hey, I love it. Oh my gosh. Um, well, here's the thing. The way I approached Lane Kim is not how I would approach any other, probably audition, certainly not a pilot audition. Lane Kim happened for a couple of reasons. One, I thought there was no way in hell I could get this role. I was 10 years older than the character.
0: Oh, yeah. I was going to ask about that, too. Yeah.
1: So I kind of wrote it off. I thought this is an amazing character for some actress. It's not going to, it can't be me. So I recognized the amazing writing in it. Um, I was distracted enough by being on another show, the first time I had ever gotten a recurring role. I happened to be on Felicity for just a tiny, tiny bit. And because it was happening at the same time, and because I had never auditioned for a, a pilot uh situation with network and I didn't know what was happening, to, to be honest. I, I didn't well, know why daunting, there were so
0: many. It's a daunting process, yes. particularly back then, because you would you would have the audition, and then maybe you'd have the producer session. And then if you yes. were lucky enough, you would have a, uh, maybe a work session where the director talked to you. Then you go up in front of the studio. Then if you make it past that, you go up through network, and that's the final. People don't realize the gauntlet you go through to get one of
1: these gigs. Right, yeah. And at any one of those points, you can be let you can, you know, you people are let go. Yeah. Um, it's a whittling, it's a, it's a terrible whittling down process. I have I've never was, used <laughs> the phrase whittling, but
0: that's exactly I always try to put it in like these very macho sports things, like oh, I didn't make it okay. to the finals. But right. um, but you're right. You're being whittled away yeah. and then discarded.
1: Yes. And um, and so because I was so um new to the process and I was distracted. I left it alone, which with that script actually was the right choice to make. Lane is written, especially in that first pilot episode, as being very dry. I thought the writing was excellent. I didn't think there was any spin or any me that I intended to bring to it, which is probably what... What I should do more in just my general audition, regardless that's that's something for me to think about, but in that moment, it was the right thing to do and I think the 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 fact that I was able to do that for all of those auditions is every time I went in, i just let let um I just let it all go because I thought the writing was so great and just just said the words um, It's an interesting
0: um secret for dialogue heavy shows like that is that it um you can view it as this onerous responsibility or you can just stay out of the word's way.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: A- a- and I find that the people who've worked with Palladino, the people who've worked with Sorkin, the people mm, who've worked yeah. with the very writerly TV people, um, we've had some people who've worked with David Milch on on the podcast and they all say like, it's actually less work in a re- in some regards. You just mm. need to like, let the words do their thing. Let them come Out of your mouth loud enough so that the mic can pick them up, and (laughs) which is not to take away, which is not to take away from the demands that you will still have. So, I want to talk about some of those more emotional episodes on that show because it's such a wonderful piece of TV comfort food, uh, and and this is why it was. This is why my daughter was rewatching it during the pandemic, and it was just constantly on in my living room. But when it decides to get heavy, it can get heavy, and there's a lot of stuff in there about culture and about um. And I'm speaking specifically about the lane arcs, um, about culture, about assimilation, about mm-hmm. um, uh, um, religious values in the modern world. Were you surprised by that weight when it would come in, uh, when you would get your script the weekend before you'd start shooting? Were you kind of like, oh, this is a little deeper than we're used to?
1: I wouldn't say surprised. I think I was always ready for anything, Lane. I mean, I don't know if this is just an actor thing, but anytime that name is when I see that L on that page, (laughs) it just gives me a thrill. (laughs) And then you figure out, oh, okay, what am I saying exactly? But just, uh, you know, just to be in it, just to be a part of it is – because I always knew it was going to be good. I mean, that was the nice thing about being on that show is that – actually, I take that back. You asked me if I was surprised. it's wrong to say I wasn't surprised. I was surprised by everything on that show. Mm. Every page, as I turned it, I was like, oh! "Like not just for my character, every character, I was just like, oh, we get to do this, and then this happens.'" I mean, they they just really twist. They were able to twist and turn a lot of fun places. Um, I just enjoyed. I really. My favorite thing about that show was going to the table reads and oh, getting to reads sit there. Incredible. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, that show was so. And you know, it was such a huge cast. You never got to see everybody. So it was right. the only time you could sit and see people and watch them do their thing. oh, it, And it's so funny, you know. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's fun to do that.
0: Now that it's been a few years, even since the, the Netflix reboot, were you happy with the way Lane ended up? Or were you happy with Zach?
1: <laughs> was I happy with Zach? Well, I'll say this. I, Keiko, I'm happy with Todd. I love Todd right i don't th- I'm not happy i I've kind of alluded to this in not so blunt terms, but i'm not I don't know that Zach was right for Lane. Mm-hmm. you know i i uh I, uh yeah, i I think Zach as a character is is great and funny, and Todd did amazing things with him. I want better for Lane. You know, I So as does a fan America, of- apparently. <laughs> yeah. So does
0: I mean this is a this is a hot button issue. Um uh it, it's um it, it's funny, I I I don't have this question written down, but I was I was doing some research. <gasps> is She's, this
1: off script, John? Is, are you going oh my goodness? Yeah, right, we're having okay. fun
0: here. Um uh uh it's it's sheer anarchy. The character is based on a friend of of Amy's who actually did end up marrying a Dave. Yes. Is that right?
1: That is correct. And we know him because he he was the um silent uh bassist. Do you know? He was the bassist? He was so the bassist that you hear that John Cabrera um fakes to is oh, okay. Dave Borgowski. No yes. kidding. Yes.
0: That's amazing. How much contact did you have with the inspiration for Lane? How much did you were you checking in with like should i be handling this uh or was it a little more hands off than that
1: um i definitely had a lot of contact with helen we didn't necessarily talk about her life i sort of took i just took it as separate at separate things i know a lot of things were based off of Hel- helen but um but that's the other thing is helen if you meet her is a, is very dry very smart very um a little bit Helen shares a lot of of similarities with Amy, who is extremely smart and yeah. witty and 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 sharp. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so I didn't check in with her. I do think, though, having some separation from from the character and se- and and playing her, that in in other hands, Lane would be a lot less. Uh, Lane would have been probably a lot cooler. Do you kn- do you know what I'm saying? Like not Cooler so anxious. In the, okay.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Because I think that she was written at first, like a very smart, a little bit detached, a little bit uh, very objective about the world, about the world and could have gone in a very different direction. Um, I, can cer- I can certainly, I can certainly see that. I think I brought a lot of the, uh, for better or worse, a lot of the, uh, uh, her, her um, nervousness and kind of mania. Mania.
0: You mentioned your your gig on Felicity. Um, And I want to, so on Felicity, unless I'm really mistaken, my my research says you had an abortion on Felicity?
1: I didn't, but we were talking about that, well we're talking about the morning after pill i was trying that to was get it. the morning I'm after sorry. pill yes that no no no. no that's it. okay I okay
0: that's um fine. uh and that is that's a touchy subject and we don't have to get yeah. into the politics of it necessarily um uh but but flash forward a few years and you're you're one of the teachers on 13 reasons why which deals incredibly candidly with teen suicide um I feel like you're either on shows where the stakes are uh, relatively <laughs> low or just through the roof ripped from the headlines. Um, and it's 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 a fun, he hesitated to say, contrast. <laughs> um, uh, do you ever have any trepidation? Here, I am also a very anxious actor. If I get something that is a hot button issue that crosses my desk that I'm going to audition for, I... Yeah think six steps ahead uh towards you know oh god what's twitter going to do to me <laughs> which yes. is a terrible yeah. way to live it is a terrible yeah. way to live <laughs> but, but i'm asking if you are that fucked up as well do you have those oh, moments yeah. you do okay interesting let's oh, talk yeah. about
1: that yeah no because i think that uh <sighs> They're I, I made huh? you
0: sigh. I'm so sorry. No, you no, sigh. no.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, to bring it back to being an Asian American woman is from the get go, it's just always in the mix from the beginning of how is this character going to be perceived? Do you know? So there's even from the very first thing that you do. There's always an equation that goes on. Mm. <laughs> How, uh, walk me. Walk me this Is this character equation. racist? Is this char- is this character racist? Okay, discard. Is this character racist leaning? <laughs> Keep it in the mix. I mean, I don't mean to get like to the nitty gritty, but you I really want, have no. To that's kind the, this <laughs> is the
0: podcast for the nitty gritty. <laughs> what What are the steps that you? No, seriously, because I never. I am yeah. never. I am. I can count on one time I have been the single white actor on a show, and it has not crossed my mind. Mm. What am I saying about my fellow white Americans right sure. now? I have a massive sure. luxury where it just doesn't have to cross my my purview at all.
1: <laughs> right. Although there are plenty right. of
0: other shows that are representing me just fine. <laughs> we are covered. We, yeah. I, uh, my stories are being told. Keiko. <laughs> Got it. Right. So, so talk me, talk me through this. What is it like when you get a script and you're like, all right, yeah,
1: sure. Well. So there are some things that you can discard just from the description. And thankfully for me, um I haven't had those types of um roles pass through my inbox in these days, you know. Uh and and the industry has changed a bunch. But you know, you you know, you're going to get a, a name that is very stereotypical or you're going to get a description that is very um could be demeaning or stereotypical and also depending on how how long how, how long the the role is i mean i'm not saying that there can't be a very nuanced deep um massage parlor worker who um has traveled from vietnam and has worked in a you know and you know has has birthed three children here and we follow her whole life story um, through seven seasons, that would be a wonderful story. But, you but know, if it's, you, just, but if it's yeah. just one 2 minutes scene <laughs> on entourage. Exactly. You might go, hmm, maybe perhaps we will reconsider this prospect. Uh, so, so you get a lot of that, and you have to kind of sift through that and and say no to, to a lot of things. But then there are also things where – I'll give you an example from my own past. You know, I did a show that I had – probably the some of the most fun I've ever had. It's called Hair Show. It's maybe not going to be the top critic's choice, but it starred Monique and Taraji P. Henson and um, amazing, funny actors. And there was improv in it. And I played a, um, a, a part of, it worked at the hair salon as a manicurist and I had an accent. Um, but I just thought it was and this was earlier in my career and I just, but I just thought she was funny and she had a kind of a bite to her and she kind of fought for herself also in, in this kind of little dynamic. Um, and so I, I said, yes, I got to, went to the audition and I booked it. And so, so, th- and that was one of those middle ground choices. Do you know what I'm saying? So there are, there are definite no's, there are middle ground choices, and then there are definite yeses. And in my career, I always have to navigate that whether, Race, honestly, is the first thing. Being, being a woman is, is definitely something. How are you portraying women? And then, and then the thing that you had first brought up about, is this a touchy subject? And are they handling it correctly? Um, and then, so that's the other thing that you kind of take it all into consideration. And, and I, a lot of times it'll be, it'll be me checking in with my friends. Like I will call my girlfriends and say, what do you think about this? Is this, should I say no? I'll ask my husband. I'll talk to my husband a lot. Like I'll talk, talk. And you know what? Uh, a friend of mine recently said, how do you feel explaining this role to me right now and I said Ooh, I don't feel great I feel a wow. little uncomfortable I feel a little uneasy t- explaining who she is to you and she said well that's your answer so I was like "Ah, oh, but it's you know it's okay 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 all right I'll I'll I'll, I'll say no to that audition and it kind of hurt because it would have been you know I want to work and it's a you know it's not a small part so you know it's that's the thing Anyway, that's a long answer to your question, but
0: I didn't expect a yes or no answer to something <laughs> uh, and I thank yeah. you for being so so candid about it. Um I'm going to make it uh, I'm going to go a little lighter for a second. You mentioned sure. improv. Do you have an improv background?
1: I am a, a addicted. I had a bad addiction for a decade. I've eased off a little bit. <laughs> where did you so where, where did you
0: go up? Where did you where did you perform?
1: I um well, mainly at IO West while it was oh, yeah. there. but um yeah because I know you you've done a ton of improv. You you grew up. Well, in I cut country. I cut
0: my teeth at UCB in New York. Yes. But when I moved out here in 02, there was no UCB yet. Yes, I O because it was all Chicago alums and and uh, Chicago expats and Upright Citizens Brigade were all expats, and there was no way I was going to start from scratch at the Groundlings. <laughs> uh, I O was very gracious about letting my wife and I perform there. Who was on your Who was on your team? Let's play. Who do you know? Who were who you, oh, you playing with?
1: Well, uh. Well, it was, it's to be, <laughs> so to be honest, it's not just, for me, it's not just, IO. I mean, I started at Groundlings as far as classes. I went to IO. I've taken UCB also in New York and in um, Wait, Los Wait, when, when did you take
0: UCB in New York?
1: Well, when I was on Prodigal Son. I actually was- So like um, within the past five years. No, you- I'm, I'm telling you, I have a bad, I have it bad. No, but that's awesome though. Can
0: you <laughs> imagine how inspiring it had to be for students at UCB to be like, oh my God, here's someone who's, a, who's on like her third series regular gig, who's coming in and, because I've taught classes like that. Like I had yes. Jerry O'Connell take my improv class and everyone's <laughs> like, I'm in an improv class with the fat kid from Stand By Me. What just happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I took a bunch of classes.
0: That's so cool. So what, what were you doing at, um, uh, did you have a regular show at I.O.?
1: Well, I had a sort of regular show at I O West with uh, a team. I don't, you won't know them, but it's called. Uh, we were called Renegade Justice Patrol RJP. Who was co- we were coached by Dave Hill. Also, um, oh, I know, I know Dave, Dave Hill. Rizowski. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I Dave know Rizowski. Dave Hill.
0: And, and this is re- this Riz- is uh, Riz- yes. this is Princeton to Chicago. Dave Hill, not uh, Dave Hill, guitarist. Dave Hill. Uh, there's two big yes, Dave yes, Hills yes, in yes, comedy. Yes, yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. It's Princeton okay. to Chicago. <laughs> it's Princeton to Chicago to LA. Dave Hill. Yes. Um, who we love. And then um, I know Dave Bragowski, And then most recently, we also had a show, um, different people, but um, at UCB called Asian AF, which ran- Oh, um, yeah. Like, were you you
0: were part of Asian AF?
1: Yeah. So Will Choi is my one of my best friends. And so I was with him when um, he launched Scarlett Johansson Presents, which was the first beginning of what became <laughs> <laughs> Scarlett Johansson Presents Asian American Heritage Month. Uh- <laughs> i forgot
0: I do remember when that was up, and i it's yeah. been such a long eighteen months, and u c b's been closed for so long. I'd forgotten I just laughed like it was the first time I was hearing it again. that's so brutal, <laughs> okay, go ahead
1: no, it's great and then um, yes, and so i would i would co- especially at the very beginning, I would co-host with will all of the time uh to, to that show, and then when it went to new york we we- uh you know were there when it started to launch up in New York. Um, and then I would come in and do the New York shows cause I was out there. Um, but then the other thing, so the other, if we're, we're going to talk improv, I have to say this is so, um, you know, uh, T.J. Jagodowski. Sure. Of T.J. I don't know him personally, but he's he, famous. For, he's uh, he's uh, improv yes. famous. Yeah. Yes, him and he's Dave improv
0: do a famous show together.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who, so I, I am obsessed with him and, um. I uh, I was able to do through different channel. I was able to do his uh, uh, his podcast because he had a podcast that he did, and then because of that, he did a a reading of uh, something that I wrote, and that was like, oh, the, it, like it was almost like I can die now. Like I, 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 the fact that I got to talk to him for an hour about just stuff first of all on his podcast was like blowing my mind and then the fact that he said yes to do this reading of something that i wrote it was a zoom reading and the fact that i have that on tape and then and then we had like a coffee date over zoom these are these are like my three like people won't understand but but it's sort of like what i didn't really understand fandom till very late in life cuz i wasn't that way as a child i didn't and so i i have very few people um, that I'm fans of. I would say T.J. one. is one. Um, uh, Tony Shalhoub is another. Oh, but, my God. But, I yeah. love oh, Tony yeah.
0: Shalhoub. Are you? Oh, are my you? God. I'm a Ugh. massive Tony Shalhoub fan. Have you ever worked with really?
1: him? Really? Well, I know you did on Monk.
0: Check you out. All right. Someone did Yeah. Homework. Um Well, but, no, yeah. also,
1: I, I, I'm i obsessed with Monk. I've watched, like, oh. a million times.
0: <laughs> You know what's amazing about that, and I'm not going to make this about me, but uh, <laughs> after years of red herring suspect work, Monk was the first time I was actually the killer. And it was <laughs> such a watershed moment in my career to be led away in handcuffs by Ted Levine on that show. I can't say enough good things about my Monk experience. And then on top of that, just he loves to rehearse. He's super really? chill. Oh. He was asking, you know what he did? They were trying to cast a role of a heavy for a for like this big arc later on. Yeah. And he let me sit in. <gasps> like we just had to have like a casual like sort of casting discussion on set. And he let me sit in and uh-huh. talk about this stuff. And I was like, am I talking about character actors <gasps> with Tony Shalhoub? Because Ugh. this is my heaven. This is yes. where I go to die. This is, yes. you know, that is what's waiting for me if I live a sinless life. And it he's- I can't be said enough what a cool guy he is. He is a, oh. a goddamn delight.
1: Oh, that makes me feel so good because that's the worst is when the person that you love to death is, you find out he's oh. a terrible person. Oh, oh, that's, yeah. right. oh that yes. <laughs> that's right. You did a
0: podcast called Drunk Monk. That's right. I That did come up in my homework with Will Choi. That's why the name yeah. sounds good. yes. So you and Will would get shit-faced and discuss monk episodes?
1: Yes, that is correct
0: with a with sort of an imprimatur of speaking of martial arts uh, yes. uh the drunk monk is a uh, a a subset oh, archetype right. in martial arts films right um so you've got a few things going on here this is pretty layered <laughs> Agreski, Tony Shalou, who else? Who yeah. else are your are your big fan people?
1: I'm a huge fan of Jane Adams. You know Jane Adams? I love Jane Adams. I love yes. Jane Adams. Okay.
0: Jane Adams is, <sighs> is I'll watch a show that I don't like just because <laughs> Jane Adams is on it. But I watched the first season of Hung in its entirety because <laughs> Jane Adams was on it. Because she is so goddamn interesting to watch talk about vulnerability oh my god yeah something i'm noticing and i noticed it more on prodigal son than on gilmore girls um is that you're a really interesting listener you're you've got a a a presence when and you go tell how good somebody is as an actor by how often they cut to you when you're not talking This is the thing I, 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 I notice. Um, and you're one of those Uh, actors who's like, oh, it's fun to watch this person listen to other people. Oh, is that improv you think
1: that gives you that ability? I think it's a little bit of improv. I think it's a little bit of just what I like about acting anyway, Mm. even before improv. Okay. Um, I will say, and this is way off topic, but this no is the time. No such thing. No such thing. Okay, Hit good. It. I am way into Reiki. Okay. Do you know anything about Reiki?
0: I know that it is a very intense form of massage.
1: Am I correct about that? Kind of. You don't actually touch the person. So it's like energy. And I'm way off. Oh, yeah. it's energy work. That's right. Yes. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I but, but you, that. it's a mis- usually on the massage table. Okay. And at its core, it's really about being with another person. Okay. And what I realized is that that has always been my favorite thing and I'm getting emotional right now just even thinking about it but it is the whole oh good goodness gracious Take your time It is the whole reason why I love acting it is it's like that, even beyond, like, saying funny things to each other or pretending to be another person, which I do to varying degrees, to be honest. That's never been my favorite part about acting. I don't dress up for Halloween. I don't like becoming someone else, really. The whole reason I like acting is, is to, to intimately, emotionally be with another person. And at, at improv at its best is, is, is that. And if you can find the right, right people to play with. Um, but my favorite thing, even in a, in a, in a classroom s- scenario, was this exercise where you stand in front of the other person and you just stand there and you, like, look at them and you breathe them in and you let them actually see you. And I love it. I love it. I don't know why I'm crying. Um...
0: I think because a lot of us have been <laughs> deprived of that over the past yeah. few months.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um and so what's funny to me about um Reiki is that in a in a way it's sort of that thing that I very much love about acting kind of distilled and set aside in its own little case. Um so I definitely think that's something that I will pursue in my life and follow that to wherever that kind of path leads. Um, oh, oh, I did. There was something that I wanted to, to mention. The thing that I do think improv helped a lot with Prodigal Son is that Prodigal Son was the first time where I really went in saying, <laughs> I really want to, I went in saying, I want to entertain the editor.
0: Oh, do you know what I'm saying? I completely <laughs> know what you're saying. Go ahead. But, but, but I want I want you to clarify what you mean by that.
1: I mean, every take I'm going to throw something at this at this take, you know, where I before I was much more controlled, where I craft I, all of my experimenting was done at home. I crafted how I wanted to kind of the, the vein I wanted to do it. in. I would come in, I would be, quote unquote, professional and do my job. as best as I could. Prodigal Son was the first time where I went, let me just, let me come, let me do my homework, but let me come. And every take is an experiment like improv. Every tape is like, let's just play and see what sticks and let the editor do their job of putting together this scene of picking the best take and, and, and creating something special out of, uh, out of all of these fun things that I'm putting on the table. Is that, was that, yeah, go ahead. No,
0: that's an amazing answer. It's, um, uh, it, I always suggest that if actors have the ability and the comfort level on set to ask, hey, can I come sit in on an edit that they should.
1: Have you done that?
0: I have. I was I <sighs> was on a series for a couple of years and there was some talk about me maybe directing and I actually pulled my hat out of the ring because I'm not a great multitasker. But um, while I was shadowing the director, I sat in on an edit and it changed the way I approached because I realized how kind of, static a lot of my work could be it was was solid and i was happy with it but i wasn't um mixing it up take to take as much as i could and Mm. and and you do want to be the guy you want to be the actor who the editor is like well this is kind of a static scene let's go over here and look what keiko's doing see if we can have if that's a fun cutaway Mm.
1: And, I'm, yeah. and I
0: see that on Prodigal Son. So when I started watching Prodigal Son, I was like, okay, well, this is fine. This is another, this is another kind of beta nerd who who makes puppy dog eyes at people. And then <laughs> they decided to take your character to some new places. <laughs> yeah. And she's the anti Lane Kim. And you know, I'm going to be comfortable and respectful, and we've really only just met. But she's hypersexualized. Yeah. yeah. And um and I watched one amazing episode about your online vigilante group uh uh-huh. where you finally get a love interest. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's the first love interest you got on the show, but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's but they they took it to some new places and there's a moment, spoilers abound, there's a moment where you think the love interest has died and my heart broke. And this is, again, I've spent the whole yeah. week like, why are people so invested in this woman's work <laughs> and this characters? And then, oh my God, the medical examiner's boyfriend might be dead. This is untenable. Who do I write to? <laughs> <laughs> Completely fell into it myself.
1: Oh, well, that's great.
0: But what was, what was, did you push to, to, I mean, it's hard because you know sure. you're, you're fourth or fifth on the call sheet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, no you know, eighth. You know, eighth. Excuse me. Yes. God, those procedurals.
1: Yes. Those.
0: There's so many, so many characters on those things. Eighth yeah. on the call sheet. Do yeah. you have any sway at all where you can come in and be like, um, "Excuse me, you know, it might be fun for my character to do." Hi, I know we've got a lot of uh, a lot of mm-hmm. plates in the air here, but were you able to do that?
1: Well, you know. Um- since this is a Nuts and Bolts podcast. uh, So on on uh, Gilmore Girls, I never talked to the showrunners at all. Interesting. Ever. I didn't even ask where my father was. That's how much I didn't talk to the showrunners. I didn't have one conversation about where my father was to the showrunners. So I decided after uh, that experience that um, I would change my approach. Mm-hmm. So um, on the first and then also on Prodigal Son – also, they're they're just very Chris and Sam are incredibly warm. So these are the, these
0: are the showrunners at Prodigal Summer. The
1: showrunners are on Prodigal, yeah. yeah. And um so besides just talking to them about her and what I thought about her, I would also um <laughs> text ideas <laughs> or email, uh, what do you think about wouldn't it be funny? Or I had I had this thing about Idris' thoughts. I think that's how I labeled it, like, uh You know, I mean, in a little bit of in that first season of of how um, Idrissa thinks about dead bodies is something that I is part of it is what I wrote to them. I said, you know, this is how I think Adresa feels about the dead bodies in her morgue. She's she's very protective of them. She's very attached to them. She feels like it's um it's an honor. It's a very big deal to be the last person that this dead, even though they're already dead, but to her uh, before they go into the ground, to tell their story is incredibly sacred almost to her. And so I think part of that becomes, you know, folded into how they see her and then how they think about her and how they write to her. And I think there's also part of, you know, in that very first um, time where we, where Idris is part of the scenery a little bit more where there's, um, I don't know if it's episode three or something where there's a snake involved and they said, well, you know, we should, we should check with you because some of the writers have told us, and some people have told us we need to check with Keiko before we introduce this element. And I was like, guys, please put snakes on me. You know, whatever it is that you want to do, I'm game. How and much so, of that and snake, just I just know the it. scene you're talking about. How much oh, of that okay. snake is digital? Oh yeah. The snake up my leg is digital, but the snakes crawling on the ground are, are real, but they seem very sweet. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'm not scared of snakes. That's our
0: pull quote. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, so you were saying? So you were you were just incredibly game, and and there was a nice sort of back and forth.
1: Yeah, and they didn't use everything that I would pitch at them, but that's the glory of pitching is just like if you feel open enough, and if they're not upset by it, why not? You know, don't don't be a don't actors out there. If you're listening, do not be annoying do not demand that they write certain things for you at all do not you know with a very light touch yes. i am vehemently yes. agreeing with you i'm vehemently agreeing with you
0: light touch you catch yes. a lot more flies with honey than vinegar yes. um yes but if you're lucky yeah you'll have a, you'll have a yeah. certain amount of give and take with the writers and yeah. and and again understand that not everything you pitch will be listened yes. to but
1: and I think another thing, this is this is uh, similar to, to. I think in, if you're in a writer's room, of pitch solutions. So don't yes. pitch problems. Pitch like, wouldn't it be interesting if? What if this could happen? Be, just anything that you can give, because they're they're hunting, they're mining for information too. So they're mm-hmm. writers. They're mm-hmm. they're digging for gems just like you are. So they, if you give them something that is an interesting tidbit, they'll be they'll be happy to run with it. You know,
0: these are crucial, crucial lessons. I don't know if we're going to have non-actors listening to this thing. Mm. Um, I think because we're such an actor-focused uh, podcast. But um, if you take nothing else away from this entire series, uh, uh, go easy on the demands.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> but but at the same time, try to maintain a, a, a dialogue. Keiko, you're an ideal guest for this uh, sort of thing. Thank you so much for your Here It Comes. Your vulnerability.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me on your podcast. I want to ask you now a million questions. Maybe that. Maybe I will have to start my own podcast so that I can continue this. All right. Amara.
0: Yeah, you got me now now. And that is an episode wrap on Keiko Agena. And hey. Shout out to my cousin Kate Bryan Esquire for her help as a research assistant on this episode. You can follow Keiko at Keiko on Twitter and Instagram, and her website is misskeikoagena.com. Forever. Dog.